0: welcome
1: to a smashing theory the super smash bro switch prediction podcast i'm daniel i'm sean and how's everybody doing today you can answer us we'll wait yeah you know we're just gonna give you a second here and
2: we're done thanks for all those answers everybody now we know how you were doing
1: <laughs> i just uh i just remembered you remember Dora the Explorer? I do. Yeah, that's that's the that's the image I just got in my head as we did that. Like, what was your favorite part? <laughs> I, I like see. that part too. <laughs> I would. Uh, by the time Dora the Explorer was airing on television, I was well into my teens. I was gonna say you're a little too old for Dora the
2: Explorer at that <laughs> point.
1: Yeah, but sometimes it would be on TV and there'd be nothing else to watch. Hey, sure. So my sister Lindsay and I would would watch it, and whenever. Whenever it got to that part, she'd be like, "What was your favorite part?" And we'd be like, "It was the part where you died, Dora. <laughs> it was the part where Swiper pooped in your backpack." I like that part too. <laughs> we were dumb kids, anyway. Uh,
2: now we have much more entertaining things to talk about, <laughs> like Smash, Smash Bros. So, uh, what Smash topics are we tackling today, Danny T?
1: Well, before we get to that, as we got to tackle some corrections some mistakes we made in the last episode lay them on me and we we made us a little handful uh first of all last episode i said that planet Robobo came out right after smash 4 came out Mm -hmm. that was incorrect it actually didn't come out until a couple years after smash bros was on shelves It actually even came out after Smash 4 was completely finished with development in 2016. Uh, April 28th, 2016 was when that game came out. Okay, gotcha. I said that Bandana Waddle Dee didn't exist until after Sakurai left Hell Laboratory. He actually did, but in a much smaller role. His first Hmm. appearance... Was in the Megaton Punch minigame in Kirby Superstar. Where, of course, instead of using a staff or a spear, he was smashing bricks with his
2: bare hands. He
1: was. But yeah, so Sakurai probably very likely came up with that design himself. Uh, Waddle D with a cute little bandana. He then got a much larger role in Kirby Superstar Ultra, a remake for the DS that Sakurai was not involved with. While Waddle Dee's current spear wielding, bandana wearing incarnation uh, doesn't have a lot of influence from Sakurai himself, that was Sakurai's original creation, and I think that increases his chances a bit. That makes sense. Another correction not only did I say last episode that Viridi was a me gunner costume, mm-hmm. But I also said the episode before that that Ashley was a costume for me, Gunners. They are both costumes for me, Sword Fighters, which I think is kind of stupid. <laughs> that is really weird, particularly in Ashley's case. Yeah. Like, who's the cutest girl hitting people
2: with a sword? <laughs> Ashley! <laughs> She doesn't do that. She casts magic.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I basically her staff is used as a sword. Oh, uh, and same thing for Verity, But I think that's just weird. That they, is, yeah. They should have just like blasted energy out of their staffs. Yep. I guess that might have been a bit more clumsy to implement since uh, me gunners have gun arms basically. Mm, right. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the cutest girl with some robot hands and gun arms? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, We're off to a good start. Anyway, (laughs) Sean mentioned you could, if you searched RE Chief on YouTube, you would easily find a video where he gets his ass kicked by a pro-injustice player you can search re underscore chief to see that video it'll be the second result
2: didn't start doing the underscore thing until after i made my youtube channel so i got a little mixed up there yeah but now you can see me getting my butt destroyed in (laughs) hd if you just search re
1: underscore chief on youtube also i should clarify that it's it happens in the video game. He he just loses a fighting game. <laughs> right. He, he doesn't actually get like, <laughs> <laughs> like Gurr, the pro player, doesn't fucking wipe, like whip out brass knuckles. Which is not to say, that I'm sure he's a very capable guy.
2: You know, it could be that he could destroy me in a one-on-one brawl.
1: Prob- maybe, maybe. But I think, <laughs> I think he is a bit too nice for that, at least. He seems like a small guy. I don't, th- I don't think either of us would want to fist fight each other. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> last but not least the most important
2: correction we had to make yes submitted to us by Daniel's podcast co-host Max
1: Landau <clears> a <throat> bad blood is Taylor Swift and not Lady Gaga important I I, I messed that up uh, actually the conversation we had over a text was him saying like they're completely different like musical artists how could you mess that up and my response was they both, blonde lady that sings song and <laughs> max responded with an eye-rolling emoji and he's not really an emoji guy so i think that was a very that means daniel really touched a an nerve <laughs>
2: anyway sorry max yeah next you'll be confusing them with britney spears any day now who is also a blonde lady who sings song
1: who that <laughs> and <laughs> so now Oops, he did it again <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, A Smashing Theory is a podcast where every week Sean and I make predictions about what's going to be in the next Smash Bros. game for Nintendo Switch, tackling different game franchises each time. Right. This time is the sci fi episode where, we'll, where we will be talking about Pikmin, Earthbound, and
2: Xenoblade. Yes. And as I think I mentioned on the previous episode, I'm excited about all of those franchises. I like them a lot, so I'm looking forward to digging in, deep diving, smacking them up, serving them cold.
1: (laughs) And I, at the very least, like all three of them, although my attachment to two of them is much stronger than our first topic, uh, Pikmin. Yes. Which... I will say again, I I think Pikmin's a pretty cool franchise. I've, mm-hmm. I've had fun with it, but I'd say the attachment is much stronger for Sean here. Yes, I would say so. I think that I'm I'm probably more
2: of a gamer who appreciates that kind of game. You know, like I'm not I'm not really a real time strategy guy, but I think it's safe to say that I am more of a real time strategy guy than you.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah,
2: and I think that Pikmin is kind of such a light version of that genre. That I don't get as stressed out when I'm playing it as I do when I'm playing something like StarCraft or Company of Heroes or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's fair. So let's jump right into Pikmin. We'll start with characters that have been represented in the franchise before. And the entirety of that, well, kind of the entirety of that is Olimar. Right. So far, he is the one playable representative of Pikmin. And he's, he's pretty cool. He's never seemed very good, but I've always loved his playstyle. Yes,
2: I, I really applaud uh, Sakurai and Nintendo for making Alamar in the way that they did and giving him the kind of gameplay that he has. But I've very rarely played him myself because I just have a difficult time succeeding with him.
1: Yeah, so in Pikmin, Alamar is sort of this little spaceman that yes, lands he's on a, this. A
2: Hokotation.
1: He lands on this planet and he finds all these creatures called Pikmin that he gets to follow him around and solve various puzzles for him. Right. And they've translated this really well to Smash, where you can press use one of your B button moves to sort of pick Pikmin out of the ground, which then he can throw at you and use in his attacks, and they're different attacks depending on which Pikmin he's throwing or holding. It's it's pretty cool, very versatile playstyle that kind of got inadvertently nerfed in Smash Four when because of limitations of the three D S hardware, he only could have up to three Pikmin instead of up to five. Right. So I think first off That's probably going to change. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think you'll get a larger amount of Pikmin back.
2: The Switch Uh, is a beast. It can certainly support more Pikmin at a time than the 3DS could.
1: Yeah, I think you'll get that back for five. Or maybe they'll keep it to 3 to to make him a less complicated character, mm-hmm. but if so, I think they should give him more tools and make his Pikmin stronger somehow.
2: Yeah, like either just straight up buffing the Pikmin, or it would be fun if, because in the latest Pikmin game, Pikmin 3, they added Pikmin with a lot of interesting properties, like these big heavy stone Pikmin that you could throw to shatter things and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, actually, on that note, uh-huh. Alf... From Pikmin 3 is available as an alternate costume for Olimar. Right. Now, unlike stuff like Dr. Mario and Lucina, Alf is just a cosmetic change and there's nothing different between him and Olimar. Mm-hmm. However, people have data mined Smash 4 and found that there are a couple of things in the code that never show up in the game itself. Hmm. One of those things being rock Pikmin. Huh. And that seems to sort of imply that initially Alpha also going to be sort of a pseudo clone of Alamar True. that could use rock Pikmin instead of purple or white Pikmin or whatever.
2: That is really neat. Yeah. I was thinking about mm-hmm. it more in terms of like, maybe you can draw out various kinds of Pikmin as random each time, you know, mm-hmm. so, or like in a set order, so you could kind of line up, like, okay, I've got a rock Pikmin now, and I'm going to use that right now, but then maybe I'll get a winged Pikmin, and when I throw it, that has, something else happens. That
1: is the way it works in Smash. You, you draw the Pikmin out in a set order each time.
2: Right, but now there would be even more and more varied Pikmin with different behavioral patterns, is right. the idea that I was thinking of. Okay,
1: yeah, that's fair. Cool. Yeah, so one could ask the question, do we think that Alf will become his own character with rock Pikmin, in Smash Five and Smash Switch, sure. And I think no, no. I I would be a little disappointed if he did. Yeah, if he took up a slot by doing that, I I don't think anyone would really be happy with that. He would be the dark pit of Pikmin. <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel like Rock Pikmin could have a neat mechanical thing to them. What sure. what I hope they do instead is give Olimar Rock Pikmin yes. and keep Alf an alt costume for him. Yeah, that that sounds like a good plan to me. Yeah, I I think that'd be neat. So, that's all the veteran characters. Here we would talk about assist trophies and characters that have been represented as Smash 4 costumes. There has never been a Pikmin assist trophy. There were no Smash 4 costumes for Pikmin. So, now we can jump right into new character discussion. And here's a smashing theory first. I can't think of anyone.
2: (laughs) No, I don't think so either. Because I mean, who would you include? You could include some of the other pilots who would just be mechanically identical to Alomar. Yeah. Or you could have like a monster or something. But which one would it be? I can't like I can't really think of any monsters that are kind of mechanically diverse and memorable enough that they would warrant inclusion. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk about alternate costumes, I think uh, there's a lot
1: there. Yeah, like 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 Louis for. Actually, there's one cool suggestion we got from a listener, Mm -hmm. so maybe I'll just read it now. Yeah, go ahead. McFlurryMac on Reddit says, I've seen somewhere that Louie from Pikmin could be a fighter that instead of using Pikmin, tames the various monsters in the game that you encounter (laughs) and uses those to his advantage, maybe somewhat like DDD's Gordo Toss as a main mechanic, to send Bulbasaur-looking fiends cackling to your enemy, which I think is some meme that I don't get because then a bunch of people respond on Reddit with quotes that I don't understand. Mm,
2: okay. But anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. still...
1: Quotes aside, A, um, great name, McFlurry Mac, I'm hungry yeah. now. <laughs> B... Thanks, Secretary yeah, Mac, for that, bringing that to our attention. Yeah, thanks for cluing us in on that cool idea. That is really neat. Obviously, don't really think that's going to happen. No, me neither. But you know, it's it's definitely the most
2: plausible new character idea that has yet been featured on a Smashing Theory for Pikmin specifically. <laughs> yeah. Jumping back a bit to alternate costumes in Pikmin Three, we got our first female Hokotate alien, Brittany. Yes, Brittany.
1: And I think that she would be a great alt costume for Olimar. Yeah, she'd be fantastic. I'd like that a lot. I guess one thing they could do is if they made Alpha Clone, mm. then then it would make sense for Brittany to be an alt costume for him at the very least. And then Louis could be an alt costume for Olimar. That's true. But I think maybe that's too many Pikmin characters.
2: Uh, really, any more than one Pikmin character is probably too many, and I say that as someone who likes that franchise a
1: lot. Yeah. So let's move on to bosses. Right. So there haven't really been any bosses, although there have been a couple of, like, stage hazard Pikmin enemies. Mm-hmm. There haven't been any bosses in Smash Bros. representing Pikmin, although in Smash Run, Bulborbs are one of the enemies you can run into, and they're kind of hard right. to beat. But no, uh, no real bosses— I think if they did include a boss, uh, Queen Bulborb would probably be
2: pretty cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Really, there have been a lot of horrifying boss monsters throughout the history of the Pikmin franchise. Yeah. So while I do think that Queen Bulborb would be the
1: most recognizable, yeah. there's
2: a lot of cool stuff they can draw on there.
1: Oh, yeah. There have been some really cool, kind of gross designs in 3, yeah. particularly, which is the one that I've kind of played the most of. Or should I say the one that I've watched Sean play the most of? Yes. Yes. Good, good picks for bosses. So now we can talk about stages. Okay. So there have been a couple pigment stages. Mm-hmm. The first is Distant Planet, that debuted in Brawl. Right. Now this was kind of like a lily pad, like in the center of the stage, and sometimes like p- those pellets with numbers on them would like just That's show up, right? Yeah. So, obstructions, and sometimes a bulborb would show up on the right side of the stage, like sort of chill for a bit, and then if anyone's on the bulborb. At a certain point, he would just, like, eat them and, and walk off the stage again. That also came back in Smash 4 for the 3DS, and, you know, I, I think that's a fine stage, but I don't really see it coming back. I would be fine with it not doing that. Yeah. Then in the Wii U version of Smash 4, we got the Garden of Hope, a stage representing Pikmin 3. Right. And, you know, it's, it's this more, like, horizontal stage with, like, a waterfall in the background mm-hmm. and also sort of these platforms that are, like, lower on the side. And, you know, that was a lot more a lot more stage-hazardy stuff going on. There, there was, like, this big crab thing that would walk across the stage and destroy part of it. Right. And then sometimes Pikmin would show up to reconstruct that part of the <laughs> stage. But there's also a bulb orb in the background. If that Bulborv's in the background, then the Pikmin won't reconstruct anything. Because, like, the is in the way and they'll get eaten.
2: You know, even after playing on that stage a bunch, I didn't know that, that was mechanically
1: true about that stage. <laughs> but that's,
2: that's a cool level of depth. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, that, that's neat. I like that stage.
1: Yeah, me too. And I think it has a good chance of coming back uh-huh. for Smash Switch because moving into new stages, since Pikmin 3 is the most recent release, mm-hmm. I can't really think of a different way or a new way to represent Pikmin as a stage. Do you have any ideas?
2: Yes, actually. Although I don't think that this is necessarily likely, I do think that there are a lot of different and varied Pikmin sort of biomes, if you will, that mm. have not yet been represented in Spanish that could be if they wanted to do a new stage. Okay. Uh, like, for instance, when you were initially starting off in Pikmin 2, you're actually in a snowy area, and there's areas like that in Pikmin 3 as well, kind of cold areas. We haven't really seen a wintry Pikmin area yet. Yeah, okay. And then a defining feature of Pikmin 2, and the reason why I like that game so much, is that there's basically... A sort of mystery dungeon component to it, where there are these really deep (laughs) cave systems you can go into, where you can explore kind of with a set amount of Pikmin that you have at the outset for up to 120 floors. Oh, wow. And you encounter boss monsters every so many floors and things like that. It was a really deep system. Okay. And so it'd be kind of fun to have a cave level somehow where maybe you have monsters or Pikmin that are kind of coming in from the top or something like that. that
1: that'd that be really awesome. Yeah, I think that could be really neat. Especially since that would sort of fill in a blank, where in Brawl we got a, a Pikmin 1 stage, and in Smash 4 we got a Pikmin 3 stage. <laughs> right. Now we can get the Pikmin 2 stage and really finally fill in that, that whole trilogy. Yeah. I guess another thing that could happen is to get sort of a stage... Like a scrolling, a side-scrolling stage that represents Hey, Pikmin, that game that came out for the 3DS. That's right. Uh-huh. Which, really, I, I forgot existed for a bit. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would prefer the Pikmin 2 stage out of those. Cool. So would I. So now we can move on to items. There is one item that has represented the Pikmin franchise, and that debuted on 4. It's called the Hokotate Bomb. Right. Which is, it's Olimar's ship. <laughs> and it's right. and it's the size that Olimar's ship actually is in canon which is basically the the size of like well, a soda bottle yeah yeah it's yeah it's a, a small little thing that you throw onto the ground and then it rockets upward and someone can get like your opponent can get caught in the ship as it rockets up and and take a lot of damage and potentially fly off the stage with the ship right i i think that could come back in five i yeah. think that was a fine item i would not be opposed to that yeah it's cute that even though olimar is not to scale in the game his ship is yes he would have a hard time getting into it to fly away <laughs> as far as new items go the only thing i put in our outline is a pepsi can <laughs>
2: <laughs> there was that weird feature of Pikmin 2, maybe also 3, uh, where you would see a lot of brand name products on the ground that you could pick up.
1: Yeah, I, for- I forget whether or not we saw it in 3, but there was definitely at least one Pikmin game yeah. where actual... Like, like brand- Duracell batteries and stuff. Yeah. yeah. The the implication was kind of like you were on Earth, mm-hmm. but it seemed like this strange new planet because Olimar and his friends are so small. And aliens. Yes. You know, as far as items are concerned,
2: one thing that I thought of is that in Pikmin 3, the sort of driving force behind your mission to this mysterious planet is that there's a food shortage on your home planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're collecting fruit. Yeah. And so if they wanted to throw another healing item in there, they could just have, like, Pikmin fruit that are, like, enormous with goofy
1: names. Oh, that yeah. you
2: pick up to heal yourself. That'd, that'd uh, that be might kinda. be a fun little thing to throw in there.
1: Yeah. Huh. Of course, regular fruit is already in the game. So, well, yeah, but you yeah, know, this would be large fruit with goofy <laughs> n- names, or I don't know, maybe like a like a juice
2: bottle that Britney's made. Mm. Chug that, yeah, get your health back. Oh, that that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: that'd be cool. So, soundtrack. Bickman's got an interesting soundtrack, I think, and one that's good, but doesn't necessarily always mesh with the way Smash, yeah. feels. Nonetheless, there are actually some really great smash remixes my favorite is probably of the mission mode theme from pikmin 3 right they uh that that's the one where they just they made a remix that they really punched up and they added in like pikmin singing like throughout <laughs> the song and that theme is just hilarious it's really adorable mm-hmm. i like it a lot
2: i'd be okay with that coming back yeah obviously
1: I, so would you yeah definitely <laughs> there's also really like a really cool remix of pikmin 2 stage lexage <laughs> one piece of music i'd like to see return because it was in brawl and then it wasn't in smash 4
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the distant planet stage used to have this song called i know uta right which is basically just this really like calm serene like mellow <laughs> song with just these japanese vocals over it like singing like really like sweetly and, <laughs> and i would I would turn the frequency of that song up to 100% of my music and then just beat the crap out of people to that really mellow, sweet music on that stage. I actually, and I cracked up every time.
2: Like, even though there are some serious jammers in the Smash soundtrack and there's a lot of good fight music, yeah. some of my favorite Smash music is just stuff that you would never fight to. Yeah. <laughs> and so I definitely appreciated I Know Uta's
1: inclusion. I yeah. think that that's a cool ad. Agreed. Do you have any new tracks in mind that you'd like to see in in smash switch you know not really because i
2: think that so much of the pikmin soundtrack while it's good it's kind of almost more ambient you know it isn't necessarily something where you think back and you're like oh i loved this song in the pikmin soundtrack yeah yeah and so i can't really think of anything offhand
1: that's fair yeah same so that's all the pikmin stuff let's read one more bit of listener mail okay Sean's childhood friend Lonnie is back. Yeah, welcome back, Lonnie. He actually has a couple of ideas. First is, not as a food item, but maybe you pick up the pellet, toss it, and then you can go over to where it landed and pull up a Pikmin.
0: <laughs> Depending on how
1: long you let it grow for, it could get increased strength, it can follow you around the stage like Nana, attack when you attack, do a little extra damage, and then when you die, it's just gone forever.
2: That is a cool idea. Yeah,
1: I, d- I feel like that would sort of cramp Olimar's style. Yeah, I was thinking the same
2: thing. Yeah, yeah, but
1: that's that's neat. I think this this other idea is a bit more likely and cool. I don't know that Pikmin needs another stage, but I suppose they could always do a night stage that has Wallywogs and Bulborbs and shit as stage hazards. Hmm. The gimmick of that stage would have more pellets spawn naturally and have the Pikmin enemies just be a nuisance to everyone indiscriminately. That's a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. I like how he sort of highlights the fact that in Pikmin, at night, all the monsters come out and are more aggressive and just sort of eat everything. It'd be cool to have a stage that takes place at night and has all these Pikmin monsters as stage hazards that are just aggressive and tough to deal with, and then they could just ban that from tournament play immediately. Yeah, good shit. (laughs) Thanks, Smash competitive community. (laughs) We shit on them too much.
2: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) They're they're fine guys and gals. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say more. No. <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> so, uh that's now we're done with Pikmin and we can move on to Earthbound. Yeah. Oh, I love Earthbound. Me too. Such a good
2: franchise. Earthbound for the Super Nintendo is actually it might be the first RPG I ever played. Wow. It is certainly one of the first. Because I had a Sega Genesis before I had a Super Nintendo, and that's not famous for being an RPG system, right? Like, yeah, I mean, they yeah. had Phantasy Star, and that's, like, it. Like, yeah. there's not a lot of stuff on there. And so then I got my Super Nintendo... And suddenly this wide world of RPGs was open to me, and I just happened to choose Earthbound first. Wow. So I have a serious nostalgic fondness for that game. And I also, to just, you know, establish my hipster cred to make my bones, (laughs) I was someone who knew and was enthusiastic about Earthbound. In, like, grade school, like, yeah. way before, you know, Smash Bros. had come out, way before any of my friends knew who the hell Ness was. Yeah. I was all about Earthbound, and so it's been really exciting to me that the Earthbound franchise has featured as heavily as it has in the Smash games.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. What's funny is I I have less cred. My My history with Earthbound is actually kind of, <laughs> kind of weird, so... When, when I was in middle school, a friend of mine, who I don't even remember his name anymore, but I do remember that he ended up being sort of a pathological liar. Uh, That's a shame. Yeah.
2: <laughs> friend, if you're listening,
1: tell the truth. <laughs> he lent me his copy of Final Fantasy VII and the strategy guide for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very helpful for some reason he just also gave me the strategy guide for earthbound which i'd never heard of (laughs) at that point so i just read that strategy guide like it was a book and like saw like all all like the cities and like the the character designs and stuff and i'm like this is really cool too bad i don't have a super nintendo or know of any way to get this game And, you know, then years went by. I think I did see, like, I did become aware of EarthBound. I saw NASA in a couple Smash Bros. games. I tried emulating EarthBound at one point, Mm -hmm. uh, but didn't get very far in it. And then finally, while I was in high school, Sean and I's mutual friend, John, had EarthBound, and I had belatedly got my own Super Nintendo, so he lent me EarthBound for it, and I finally played through the entire thing, and... Everything was magical. <laughs> I just adore that game. I had an amazing time with it, and it just quickly became one of my favorite RPGs of all time, even though I played it like 10 years late. I didn't care how that game had aged. I still right. loved it. I
2: really lucked out, actually, because my initial exposure to Earthbound was just renting it from Blockbuster over and over again. Yeah. And so then when that kind of stopped being a thing, right? and I still really wanted a copy of Earthbound... It was kind of before the zenith of Earthbound's nostalgic appeal, right? right? Like, so it hadn't become this really rare collector's item yet. And my mom found it on eBay for like three bucks. Wow! An original copy of Earthbound. So lucky for that to
1: have happened. Yeah, seriously. But anyway, then then Mother Three came out, and that's one of my favorite games too. I have yet to play that all the way through
2: because I, while I have enjoyed emulating games in the past for nostalgic purposes, and, you know, I now enjoy kind of virtual console and things like that for the same reason, I don't really like playing new games on an emulator, and that's the only way that a Westerner can experience Mother 3 uh, even today. Without doing, like, some really complicated flashcard stuff. Right. So, I just, I don't think that, you know my a window on my PC is kind of a really great way to experience Mother Three, so I've I've held off. Yeah.
1: Really, really, really just need Nintendo to finally release a Western version of Mother Three on the Switch or something. Shigeru Miyamoto, if you're listening,
2: one, why? Two. <laughs> stop ruining Paper Mario. Three <laughs> please Put Mother 3 in America on a system where I can play and understand it even though I don't speak Japanese. Thank you.
1: Like, of all people, Miyamoto is the one that would make a, <laughs> and that Earthbound-related decision. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, now now that the Earthbound Reminiscence Hour is over, we can talk about Earthbound in Smash. Okay, let's talk. So, veteran characters, we have Ness. Yes, now, PK
0: fire. <laughs> PK
1: Ness is one of the original 12, which is especially fun and crazy because when he was in Smash, no one besides Sean had heard of Earthbound. <laughs> right. I was so pumped when I found out you could unlock Ness. Yeah. Like, that came
2: completely out of left field. Yeah,
1: I feel like so many people know who Ness is now, mm-hmm. but when Smash 64 came out, Ness was like a Mr. Game and Watch level deep cut. Yeah. He he really came out of nowhere especially for Western audiences, but I'm so glad that he did. Me too. And yeah, he's he's a great character. He's obviously coming back, which is crazy to say now because I remember when Brawl came out, Sakurai actually considered replacing Ness with Lucas completely right. and Ness just not being in the game, but of course they both ended up being in the game. I guess this is a good just a good transition point. was introduced in Brawl and he is from Mother 3. Right. While Ness is from Earthbound. Right. He's kind of a clone of Ness. He's got a few different qualities. Some of his smash attacks have changed, and I kind of like Lucas's better, actually. He has that really cool one where his up smash is he pulls a needle out of the ground. (laughs) Right. Uh, it does a lot of damage to whoever is standing above him. He has the rope snake as a grab. Mm-hmm. This adorable little red snake that is also a rope. And and yeah, Lu- Lucas is implemented pretty well. He's obviously... He feels different-ish from Ness, but obviously has a lot of things in common with him still. Right. He did not return for 4 initially, but was released as DLC. And I think that... Having a Mother 3 rep is a big enough deal that Lucas and Nass will probably just come back for Smash Switch without having to jump through any DLC hoops. I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too. So, Assist Trophies, Earthbound has actually had a couple Mm -hmm. in Brawl. We had one assist trophy, and that was Jeff from right. the original Earthbound. Jeff, Ness's nerdy friend, shows up and lights some bottle rockets that sort of fly around the stage. Which was
2: what he was really good for in actual Earthbound. Yeah. So he's like the only m- member of your party who doesn't have psychic powers, but he does know how to use bottle rockets to
1: great effect. Yeah, and he like uses a variety of tools throughout the game, I think.
2: Yeah, and he like crafts tools for you while you're sleeping at the inn. He's a cool character. Yeah, oh man. Yeah. If guys, if you haven't played Earthbound, there are many avenues via which you can play it now in yeah. the year of our Lord 2018. Get on that shit.
1: Obviously, he's not very likely to be upgraded to a playable character. No, that'd be great though. Yeah, I actually have some listener mail. Oh, read it. The mail is from frequent listener James M, and the mail is titled "Earthbound: A Case for Jeff." Huh. hey guys ness is a cool character in smash however i think that the inclusion of lucas is a weak earthbound slot particularly in the u.s hmm. mother 3 featuring lucas has never been released officially in the u.s if nintendo doesn't plan on releasing it by the time smash 5 comes out i hope they pick another character from the earthbound universe okay. my preference is jeff he has ben an assist trophy but the leap to playable character wouldn't be crazy he could utilize guns and rockets as main weapons, and his final Smash could be a cool machine. <laughs> Thanks for that, James. Yes. Assist Trophy is such a natural fit for Jeff in my head that I that hadn't even occurred to me, but it is a cool idea. I think my preferred solution is just for Nintendo to release Mother 3 in the US in some form. That would be great. And there have been so many rumors to that happening that I think we'll eventually get it. Cool. And And therefore, Lucas will stay in Smash. That's fair. Here
2: is my off-the-cuff hot take for Jeff's final smash, if he were a character. Okay. Dr. Andonuts appears, takes out the time machine and sets it down. Jeff gets in, the time machine zooms away, he's healed to full health because he's going back to the past, Mm -hmm. and then it slams back into the ground and creates a huge explosion that knocks everybody else away.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Kind of like a big wacky warp star. I I want Jeff in the game now, <laughs>
2: because I've had that thought. So, uh, Sakurai, hope you're listening. Sakurai, Shigeru, all you guys, you big fans of this podcast,
1: listen to my ideas. Anyway. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there was another assist trophy in Smash 4, and that was Starman. Yeah. Sort of this sleek-looking alien fella that is kind of shaped like a star. Mm-hmm. He sort of teleports around the stage when you summon his assist trophy and shoots little lasers at you. Very
2: fitting, I think. I really like Starman's implementation because it really feels as though they just popped his sprite right out of Earthbound and stuck him in the game. Yeah, it's kind of cool. He's a good fit.
1: Yeah, obviously, I don't think promotion to playable character makes a lot of sense for him.
2: (laughs) That'd be great, though.
1: (laughs) Just like like they don't actually
2: animate him. He just like waddles around (laughs) (laughs) like back and forth. And uh, all of his moves are shooting out uh,
1: little little beams. Perfect. Yep, that's the assist trophies. We actually did get a Smash Four costume representing Earthbound, and that was the Flying Man. <laughs> uh, now we'll we'll talk more about the Flying Man in a bit because uh, the the Flying Man is this this character who sort of nesses... And I think Nintendo's guide mm-hmm. in Earthbound and the original Mother, as they traverse this place called Magicant, right, which we'll be talking about more shortly. Sure. <laughs> He's not a major character at all, and I think if he didn't make this cameo in the Smash stage Magicant, I I think he wouldn't have shown up as a costume. But you can you can dress up like the Flying Man in... The- <laughs> in uh, Smash 4, and I think that's really great. Like, what a weird thing you can do, but it's good. It is good. Anyway, I don't think he will be playable ever, like, as a real character. I, like... What would that even be like? I don't know, but I kind of want to find out. (laughs) I want to
2: find out a little bit, but I hope that he's not in the game at the same time. It's a weird paradox to be in.
1: So, now, now there's new character discussion, and... It's weird because Earthbound is sort of in this loop where, like, obviously, like, it's sort of this cult classic. It's um, it's important.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Since we have a rep from Earthbound and a rep from Mother Three, I don't think either of those games are ever going to merit two reps. You know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think we'll ever see an additional character from Earthbound. I don't think we'll ever see an additional character from Mother Three, even though there would be a lot of cool options. I guess one potentially worth discussing is the Mass Man who's sort of this recurring antagonist in Mother 3. Right. Uh, I'm going to avoid spoilers for these games because I think their story is very important. Sure. But the Masked Man is a very important character in Mother 3, and he's got this cool sword, and I think he could have an interesting moveset that feels different from Ness and Lucas. Okay. But I don't think he's practically... I don't think on a practical level he's really likely at all. Yeah, that makes sense. Even though that'd be neat. So, with that said moving on to bosses all right so there was a boss in smash brawl mm-hmm. in the subspace emissary mode you got to fight against Porky right now Porky is an antagonist that shows up in both earthbound and mother 3
0: mm-hmm.
1: mother 3 it's supposed to be more of a surprise and a big reveal but since you're watching this and you've played <laughs> smash you know that he's in that game <laughs> Because it's his Mother Three form that's the boss. It's him in right. this big spider robot and
2: sort of a Bedman from Guilty Gear thing going
1: on. Yeah.
2: Although really he predates Bedman, so I guess Bedman has a porky from Mother Three thing going
0: on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, his robot shoots a bunch of missiles and is is big and scary and cool. <laughs> One thing that could be kind of neat as another new character idea is if in in Earthbound Porky's an antagonist that sort of has a variety of machines that he sort of antagonizes you with from time to time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It'd be cool if he was in a smaller one and was therefore a playable character in Smash Five <laughs> you know he'd be a good villain rep he'd be really satisfying to just punch in the face. God that he's such an awful child. <laughs>
2: written very well
1: yes yeah oh that's
2: that's another really nice thing about earthbound is that the translation for that game is just fucking superb yeah
1: it's so good for its time it really is and and mother three's fan translation feels official because it's like of how good it is yeah it's it's incredible they they really channeled treehouse perfectly nice in in that fan translation you know, Porky per- was a cool boss, but now he's kind of been done, and although his promotion to playable character would be neat, I don't really expect it at all. Me neither. As far as new bosses go, one thing that would actually be cool is Gigius, sort of the big bad right, of both Mother slash Earthbound Beginnings, the original NES game, and in Earthbound. Right. His form in Earthbound is sort of very complicated and, and incomprehensible, and... Like you know, talk, talking about his nature in Earthbound, for starters, would be kind of a spoiler that I'd want to avoid. Yes, but suffice it to say, he's <laughs> he'd be hard to implement in his Mother Two form. Yes, that is true. However, in the very first Mother game in Earthbound Beginnings, he's a more standard, like cool-looking alien, mm-hmm. and he'd be pretty cool to fight. I think I'd say so. In uh as as a boss in Smash Five. And Sakurai has been shown to represent stuff from the original mother. So I think, you know, I think that wouldn't be completely out of left field. And it'd be neat. I think so, too. And with regard to
2: Giygas's appearance in Earthbound, I won't get into details, but I do just want to note that even though I think he would be difficult to represent as a boss you fight, Mm. I think that his whole environment would make a cool stage. Ooh, that's a good point. I think you could do a lot of cool transition elements with that and a lot of interesting effects.
1: That's a very good point. Well, let's talk about stages. Okay. So, Earthman has had, you know, a pretty decent amount of stage representation in the past. Mm -hmm. Even though Ness was in Smash 64, he didn't get any stages because none of the secret characters did. Right, Because they were secret. Ooh. So his first stage was Onet, in Melee, which is Ness's hometown
0: mm-hmm.
1: in Earthbound and the, the place where you start. And it's a very iconic stage, I think. There's, you know, there's these houses and cars will, like, drive by on the street and can bump into characters. Mm-hmm. And there's sort of, like, you know, there's, there's houses on either end, but there's a, sort of this spot in the middle where you're just, like, on the ground, like, fighting. Right. And you can sort of also jump onto these, like, telephone wires, wires and stuff. And, like, uh, awnings from shops, right? You can jump onto those, too. Yeah, yeah. That's that's probably one of the most iconic stages in Smash, I think. I, I've seen it. I've fought on it so much. Yeah. and I used to pick it deliberately a lot just because I love Earthbound, and so I'm quite familiar with it. <laughs> yeah. And it's been in every Smash game since, except for the 3DS version of 4. It was in Melee, it was in Brawl, and then it was in the Wii U version of 4. Right. And... You know, I could see it coming back yet again It's just one of these staple stages. Sure. One stage representing Earthbound in Melee that has never come back is the four-side stage. My God. One that I just forgot about. I until was just going to yeah. say,
2: it's been so long since I last, like, played Melee that I literally forgot that that was a stage.
1: <laughs> yeah, until I was doing research, I didn't remember the stage existed. Right. And... Yeah, it's it's sort of similar structurally to like the Saffron City stage. Like there's this big skyscraper in the middle that you sort of jump on. That's right. And and sometimes a UFO will just show up and you can fight on the UFO, like on the top of the stage.
0: Wow.
1: It's been so long since we've seen it. I could see it coming back as a past stage to be like, hey, remember <laughs> this
2: shit? That would be cool.
1: Yeah. And if I wasn't doing
2: this podcast, that would happen. And I'd think, oh, that's cool. They added a new four-side stage.
1: (laughs) It just says past stages on it. It's like, oh, that's a typo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could see that coming back just because it's been so long. Sure. Then in Brawl, they added the new Pork City stage. Right. And as much as I love Earthbound, this stage sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's too big. Uh It's, It's like, it's so big. Everything's spread out the The default music for it is this really like is it's Porky's theme, right? And I've never really been a fan of that theme as much as I love the Mother series music. It's always been kind of grating and and generic and I
2: just feel it's overbearing. Though, yeah, I, I personally I think that doesn't really fit in with Earthbound's musical
1: stylings in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. So it didn't come back after Brawl, and I think it can stay there. I think it's kind of a poorly designed stage. <laughs> Um, I'd love to see a new stage that shows up and represents three. Sure, but uh, but yeah, yeah, Newport City. Finally, there was one new Earthbound stage in Smash Four, and it was exclusive to the 3DS version, and that was the Magic Hand stage. Right, and Magic Hand is sort of this like dream area, sort of this area that's like in the protagonist's dreams, and as such, you're like. Fighting in sort of the psychedelic landscape on top of clouds, and the flying men, the characters that are your guides, sort of like hop onto the stage sometimes. And if one of the characters fighting on the Smash stage runs to the flying man, he'll become your companion and sort of fight characters for you. I'm Uh,
2: going to say this about Magic Hand. One, I really love that they added in a stage that kind of showcases the trippier side of the earthbound franchise right like that's cool to have a stage in there like that yeah i hate flying man (laughs) so much i didn't understand how he worked for a long time and so i was just getting my ass kicked constantly i thought he was an assist trophy for a while like wow this assist trophy sure does pop up a lot on magic what the fuck is going on oh i hate him so much even now that i know how he works i hate him Magic Hand
1: is actually one of my favorite stages in all of Smash. I love the rest of it. <laughs> flying Man and all, though. I think that whole stage is really neat. And I the worst thing about it to me is that it's trapped on the 3DS version. Hmm. I want to see that stage in HD. The worst so. thing about it to me is Flying Man. <laughs> Fuck that little man. So I think, I think it's actually got a great chance of coming back. Mm-hmm. I think it would be perfect for Smash 5 to sort of get an HD treatment. Sure. And, yeah. And what a great what a great representation of Earthbound and Mother 1, which is where Magicant debuted. I think it's a very iconic location in that series. That is true. So I, I think it's great to see it in Smash, and it should be in 5. That's what I think.
2: Broadly, I am not opposed to it coming back, but I will still... Hate flying man.
1: <laughs> you every just, time. you just gotta, you just gotta be, on that stage. You just gotta make friends with him. Just make friends with him real quick. Then you love him. I'm I love
2: not, him. I'm not fast enough to do that. <laughs> then you'll you, do then, it every time, and then I'll get mad. Then
1: eat my flying man dust. <gasps> so now we can talk about BK
2: fire. <laughs> Daniel's dead. Those were
1: his death screams, and they, I'm taking they, over the show now. They sound a lot like laughs. So, let's talk about new stages now. Okay, what are we talking about first? I think the Earthbound franchise in general has a lot of great potential for stages. I agree. Here's one that I think has a great shot, actually. I think this is pretty likely because it's one of the most iconic parts of Earthbound that we haven't seen yet. Saturn Valley. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Great music. You you know, even if we don't get the stage, we should get a remix of the music. Oh, Um, that'd be so great. Yeah. Saturn Valley is a great pick for both Ness and Lucas because it shows up in not only Earthbound, but also in Mother 3.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: And, like, you know, Mr. Saturn, as we'll discuss shortly, it's funny how much tie-in there is between all this stuff. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Saturn has been an item in Smash Bros. since Melee. So to show Mr. Saturn's home as a stage... I think would be really cool and and the Mr. Saturn item could just sort of naturally spawn there I was gonna say I'd like that a lot and also
2: it would just be fun for there to be a challenge stage where like you have to fight a Ness and Lucas tag team and there's just tons of Mr. Saturn spawning
1: everywhere oh man yeah that's really cool I love that that's such a great (laughs) idea it could just be like a cute stage with a bunch of Mr. Saturn's on it Saturn Valley especially in Earthbound is a place where a lot of Very heavy story stuff happens. Yeah. So they could integrate some of Earthbound's story into that stage (laughs) and, like, have, have that happen, you know? That'd be really cool. Yeah, man, that could be a really cool stage. Loaded with potential. Yes. Any Earthbound franchise stages you'd like to see? This one is definitely kind of a left field pick,
2: but... I just really love that moment in the game where you have to go into Belch's factory <laughs> and there's like all the little Belches running around. And I just feel like they could do a lot of cool stuff with like conveyor belts and kind of goo coming at you from either side. I think that there's a lot of fun mechanical potential there.
1: I don't think it's likely that that's going to become a stage. Belch would be a great Smash boss, actually. And so gross. Yeah, super, super dang gross. Oh, I
2: don't know that I need to see him rendered in Switch-quality 3D, (laughs) but that would be really cool. Yeah, so
1: let's move on to items. Okay. So Smash has a couple items. Right. We've already just mentioned Mr. Saturn. He's been in there since Melee. And since Brawl, we've had the Franklin Badge. The Franklin Badge was a really cool item in Earthbound. During a part in the story, Ness has to find and wear it and then fight a man who shoots electricity at you. If you fight him without that badge, you basically are going to die because the electricity is a very powerful attack. But if you're wearing the Franklin Badge in the game, the electricity reflects back at the boss that you're fighting and the fight becomes... Possible to win.
2: That whole part of the game, like, I don't necessarily know that it has character or stage potential, but I just love the part where you're dealing with the happy, happy cult. It's yeah. so cool. There's a lot of really interesting puzzles. Yeah. Oh, I just
1: dig it. Yeah, man. Earthbound's so good. Please it's, play this game. Guys. It's so good. Play this game. In Brawl and subsequent games, when you wear the Franklin badge and someone shoots a projectile at you, uh, it, it reflects. It's, it's just a, a passive reflect projectiles ability which is great it's really cool what kind of new items do you think we can see in in smash well i think that (laughs) i think that earthbound as a franchise
2: has a lot of fun items but the reasons that I like a lot of the items in Earthbound are not necessarily because they'd make great items in Smash. Yeah. Like, the thing that immediately came to mind is that you just get a pack of gum at one point in Earthbound, (laughs) and it has a couple of story uses, but my favorite use for it is that if you go into the menu and you use it, you get this text prompt that says something like, Ness had some of the gum, but it wasn't really as satisfying as a normal meal. And then that's all it does. (laughs) Um, So obviously not getting included in Smash. One thing that'd be kind of fun is there's a mechanic in Earthbound where you can order pizza. And then later on, the delivery person will come and find you, irrespective almost of where you are. Like You can be out in this weird landscape and you'll get your pizza. That'd be kind of fun as a delayed reaction healing item. Like you yeah. pick up the phone, make the call, and then maybe 15 seconds later, a guy shows up and tosses a pizza at you that heals you.
1: One one thing <laughs> one thing that would actually be great is just have the telephone from Earthbound be an Earthbound specific assist trophy. <laughs> Like, you pick it up, and then you call a random member oh my God. of the Earthbound or of right. the three-casts. So, yeah. like, it
2: could be the pizza guy, or it could just be your dad, and then there's a big text box where he's talking to you about shit. <laughs> oh, that'd be really great. Yeah.
1: Very unlikely, but still really great. Yeah. So, soundtrack picks. God, Earthbound soundtrack is incredible. Just rife for the picking. Yeah. And there's been a lot of great remixes already. In Smash. And I the, want more. Uh, yeah, the, the remix of Smiles and Tears, which is the the sort of eight-melody song that plays right. in Earthbound. That's a great remix. There's a great remix from Mother 3 called Unfounded Revenge slash Smashing Song of Praise. Mm-hmm. That's two separate songs in in Mother 3. Right. But they sort of become, Arrange them. Yeah. Okay. They get arranged together in, in Smash, and it sounds real good. As many great tracks from Earthbound already exist in Smash, I think there are a couple of omissions that would be great in Smash 5. Mm-hmm. First is that there's this amazing theme called Pollyanna right. that does have a remix in Smash, actually. But the thing I love about the original song, Pollyanna, is that it's got these just incredibly sweet, really heartwarming vocals mm-hmm. in its original incarnation, And the Smash remix is just instrumental. Right. I want a Pollyanna remix with vocals to be in a future Smash game. That'd be really great. And 5 would be great for that. (laughs) In Mother 3, there's a sequence where a character does a funky little dance. (laughs) And (laughs) the theme that plays alongside that... If you've ever seen this meme... Uh, there's a there's a chance that you've actually heard this theme before without realizing it. There's this old meme from uh from multiple years ago now called Collins Bear Dance. This this guy, this animation student made, like, a very shitty animation of a bear dancing to this doofy-sounding music. Just to, like, check off the boxes so that he could pass
2: this class he was taking. Yeah, like, all.
1: and, like, it, like it's very deliberately badly made, and it's hilarious. It's a really funny video. Go look for Colin's bear dance. It still holds up. <laughs> but the song that's playing during that is actually from Mother 3, and I think that song should be remixed. Not be not because it's a meme, but because I love that song. Oh, it's yeah, it's catchy. There's also a antagonist called Facade in Mother Three who his theme is sort of like sassy saxophones, basically. I do like those. Um and remixing that would be cool, they should do it. I agree. Any highlights from the Earthbound series soundtrack that you wish got revisited
2: in Smash? Yes, and it's actually interesting to me because this feels like such a glaring omission on the part of the people who organized the Smash soundtrack. There's a lot of great themes that have been included in Smash from the Earthbound franchise, but not very many battle themes, right? Earthbound yeah. is an RPG where you fight people and things. Yeah, yeah. And yet I I don't know, are there any combat themes in the Smash soundtrack from Earthbound? Um or Mother um,
1: 3? For- uh, from Unfounded Revenge slash Magic oh, is Song a, of, okay. yeah, that, that is a battle theme,
2: but mostly no, you're right. Right, I mean, I feel as though, uh, particularly for me in Earthbound, because I'm obviously more familiar with that soundtrack, there's just a lot of great, really quirky, interesting combat
1: themes that yeah. I think would work really
2: well in Smash. Yeah,
1: there could be, like, an Earthbound battle theme medley. Oh, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, that, that'd that be dope as hell. Let's add another bit of listener mail. Okay. Our old friend Dekustar on Twitter says, you know what would be an awesome Earthbound character to add? Kumatora or Mass Man? I would like Kumatora more. (laughs) Kumatora is one of the characters in Mother 3. She's probably the most important female character in that game, and she's pretty cool. She's basically uh, a- Kind of a tomboy, right? Yeah, she's kind of a tomboy, and she's got a really cool arc. She's basically uh, the princess of a kingdom that doesn't exist anymore. Ha, that's Uh, cool. Yeah, and she's really neat. I love her spunk. She's got uh, a lot of cool moves. (laughs) One thing that's kind of interesting about Ness and Lucas is that they use several moves in Smash that they don't have access to Ah. in Earthbound and Mother 3. Uh Ness uses several PK moves that Paula's the only one who can use. That's true. Yeah, that only Paula can use in uh, Earthbound. And I think the same thing applies. I think Lucas uses at least one move that only Kumatora actually has access to in Mother Three. Okay. So I don't think she's super likely, but I think she'd be an awesome assist trophy. Nice. As- and we've we've already got a couple Earthbound assist trophies. Give us a Mother Three one. Kumatora would fit real good, I think. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So thanks Deku Star for sending us an idea yet again. Here's a
2: high five, Deku Star. Hope you enjoyed it. coming at you
1: from the internet last but not least we have the Xenoblade franchise yeah good stuff now I love Earthbound and I also friggin love Xenoblade
0: Mm
1: -hmm. incredible franchise Xenoblade Chronicles 1 is one of my favorite games ever it is superb an action RPG par excellence so yeah it's it's, it's a good franchise in general, but I think I think Xenoblade 1 is probably the best one. I haven't beaten Xenoblade 2 yet, and I hear that you can't really say how much you like that game in particular until you've beaten it. Hmm. In a good way or in a bad way? Basically, it becomes a much better game closer to the end. I see. From what I'm hearing. Okay. So I, I need to give that game more of a shot, but I already like it. I already like Xenoblade 2. Nice. I've heard that
2: that's also true of Xenoblade Chronicles X. However, that d- game didn't grip either of us really enough to get to that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, i'd I'd say, <laughs> I'd say Xenoblade Two like is a solid game from the beginning that you know has faults, but Xenoblade X is just a much slower start for me. It's kind of yes, you know, I, I would go as far as to say it's a bit of a
2: slog to start. Yeah, it's slower and it's it's harder sci-fi than either Xenoblade Chronicles one or two. I would say. Yeah. Which even you know compared to actual works of hard sci-fi, it isn't really that hard sci-fi. But yeah. compared to the kind of fantastical elements that yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles one and two have, and like it's like I'm much o- drier.
1: Yeah, and like I'm okay with that. But the thing that failed, the thing that I had trouble with for Xenoblade Chronicles X is that Xenoblade one and two both put a lot of priority on its narrative Mm -hmm. and xenoblade chronicles x puts more priority on its open world and doesn't really like the the story is less interesting definitely
2: definitely stepped back from the sort of in-depth storytelling
1: yeah and instead of like this really great and interesting cast of characters to interact with you sort of get to create your own character and none of your supporting cast is ever as important as the other two xenoblade games
2: having said that when I look over at the Wii U and think to myself, maybe I'll revisit that console again, Xenoblade Chronicles X is always the first game I think of. Always, yeah. I
1: always think of giving that another shot first. So
2: there's definitely something there. Yeah,
1: same. I always I've really wanted to give that game a second chance or really like a third chance. I think I've started it like at least twice <laughs> by now. Right. But I I do really want to get to the point where like the meat of that game really starts getting good you know like i've i've never gotten my giant robot in xenoblade chronicles x (laughs) so really i i know that until i get that giant robot i can't give a respectable opinion of that game yeah yeah so really one thing that's sort of been hinted at and i hope actually for real happens is that maybe we'll see a xenoblade chronicles x switch version and if that happens i am 100 percent in especially because it'll be so much easier to find people to do the multiplayer stuff with yes. in that game. I was the only person that had... I was the only <laughs> person I knew that had a Wii U, so I couldn't really do the online multiplayer stuff in Xenoblade Chronicles X. Right. But I already know my full four-person team that I would have <laughs> if the game came out for the Switch and had that same online functionality. Cool.
2: Well, I hope it does. I think that would be a really cool decision.
1: So, let's talk about Xenoblade in Smash. Let's do So, as far as veteran characters, we've just had one, and he made his debut in our most recent Smash game, Smash 4. Right. Shulk! Yeah. From Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Shulk's great. No, I like him a lot.
2: Is he clunky? A little bit. But, I... As you know, Daniel, <laughs> really the more complicated a character's mechanics get, the more interested I am in like deep diving and figuring out how they work. Yeah. And so I love that Shulk has that mechanic where he can kind of put different glyphs onto his Monado that change his stats. Yeah. And that, I just got so much mileage out of that. It's so much fun. You can make yourself really heavy when you've taken high damage, so that it's harder to knock you away. Mm-hmm. You make yourself more agile. You can up your damage. I just really, really enjoy that mechanic. And uh, I will be glad to be playing Shulk again, assuming
1: he comes back for Smash 5, which I, I is likely. Yeah. I really, really, really hope he does. And I think, I think it's more likely that it isn't that he'll return. Cool. Yeah, he was just fantastically implemented into Smash for he really embodied his game. Yes, and just had a lot of great stuff going on. So yeah, I hope he comes back. I think he will. Cool. Assist trophies, Ricky. Ricky, great <laughs> no pun warrior. Yup. Ah! <laughs> He's this little fur ball that dances around a lot and. In Smash 4, he can sort of help you with various effects as he comes onto the screen. He's also part of Shulk's final Smash. Right. And so is Dunban, who appears in the game as a Smash 4 costume that you can wear as a sword fighter. Dunban. (laughs) Dunban is a great character, and I loved him in Xenoblade 1. Yes. Uh, He's a really great, like, dodge tank. Yeah, really fun,
2: different kind of talent trees you could pursue with him. In yeah. one of them, you just don't equip any armor and rely
1: completely on his evasion,
2: which is uh, really entertaining.
1: Yeah, oh man, I he was, he was a monster with that build. <laughs> I loved it. Riki and Dunman are both great Xenoblade characters. I don't see either of them getting upgraded to playable status. Me neither. But I love them both. I'd love to see them come back in some form. So... We can move forth to new character discussion. Sally Forth. Since Smash 4's release, we've had a couple of new Xenoblade games get released. That is true. Xenoblade Chronicles X came out in 2015, near the end of the year, mm-hmm. and Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out just on the tail end of 2017. Right. One, one thing that's really interesting is the timing of when a Smash roster is decided, and how late is the latest a game can come out before they're considered for playable status? Right. Um, And Xenoblade Chronicles X and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I think, are very relevant to that question. Yeah. So, I guess, I'll talk about Xenoblade Chronicles X first. I think the most likely character from that would be Elma. Mm -hmm. Elma is basically the first character you meet in Xenoblade Chronicles X. In X, the protagonist is a character that you make yourself, a customizable character. Right. And... While creative characters have been playable in Smash in the past, Robin and Corrin are both characters that you can technically customize in Fire Emblem. I still think it'd be more likely that Elma, sort of your your partner character, your sidekick, would be more likely to see as playable. I agree. I think in particular, when you consider
2: Robin and Corrin... You do customize those characters, but they also have kind of more personality than the protagonist that you create for Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X protagonist is kind of a blank slate. Right. Uh, Plus, Robin and Corin both have sort of canon designs, Mm -hmm. and X guy or girl doesn't really. Uh, Although the character customizer is dope, and it's the reason that I keep coming back to X. It's real cool. Yeah. Elma is she's just got a cool character design, for starter. She's mm-hmm. got one of the coolest character designs in the game, and it'd be great to have her in and actually have like a dark-skinned character in the game. That she, is very true. There's a couple of things that I think might hold her back as potential for a new playable character. Sure. Uh, one is that most of the cast of X uses a lot of very realistic guns. Mm, right. And historically, that that doesn't necessarily completely remove a character, but Sakurai always has been kind of reluctant to put realistic guns into Smash. Right, like, like a, when he swapped out
2: snakes guns for rocket launchers and things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: So I, I think that is that is a, a ding that is like a red mark. But also the biggest thing against Elma is that I think we're gonna get one new Xenoblade character. Right. So here's here's the thing. Are we gonna get one from Xenoblade Chronicles X, which came out closer, like was already out after Smash Four finished development and mm. would be easier to put on that list that Sakurai probably finished making in twenty sixteen, or Xenoblade Chronicles two. Right. Which came out near the end of last year is much more recent obviously mm-hmm. and and you know one could argue that maybe maybe it came out too late to to really include. Sure. You know, to to really have something like a playable character. And I think in most cases I would say yeah, it, it came out less than a year before Smash five is going to, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to get much new representation. However, I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is different. Okay. We already saw completed character designs for Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in the beginning of 2017 okay. when they when they showed off the Switch. Mm-hmm. I think that Xenoblade Chronicles 2 probably started development right like the second that Xenoblade Chronicles X stopped development. Okay. They might have even been doing stuff like designing characters and doing pre-development. Four two as they were finishing up on X. I think that's very likely. Actually, okay. So basically, I think I think here's a likely sequence of events.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sakurai finished up work on Smash Four and started like took a small break and then started started development on Smash Switch and started coming up with a roster for it. Like you know probably finalized it in late twenty sixteen. He saw that Xenoblade Chronicles X was already out, but he also was aware. Of future Nintendo release plans, and one of those very clear plans was for a New Xenoblade Blade game to come out during Switch's launch year. Mm-hmm. He would be aware that Nintendo is going to put a bunch of marketing into this as their flagship RPG that comes out the same year as the Switch system. Sure. And he sees that the concept art for these characters is already done. He sees that the characters are already designed. He sees that he can. He already knows what these characters are going to be about, and he can easily like. Put them into his roster outline. Okay. Yeah, there is some cases where if the game came out after, after that roster was finalized, then it's probably too late. But I think the elements that Sakurai needed were already done by that point, Mm -hmm. and I think they already knew in advance that this was going to be an important game that was guaranteed to sell more than Xenoblade Chronicles X as long as the Switch was a success, which they I think they had a, an inkling. Yeah, I. I think they had a feeling that it was going to be a better situation. Sure. So, monologue (laughs) over. (laughs) I think that a Xenoblade Chronicles 2 character is more likely than a Xenoblade Chronicles X character, and that's the only real reason I think Elma's not in as playable. All right. However, Elma would be an amazing assist trophy, and I hope that happens. Nice. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, need that Elma assist trophy. So,
2: in that case, which Xenoblade Chronicles 2 character do you think is going to make the cut?
1: <laughs> well, this isn't going to be a huge shocker, but Rex from Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Holy shit, man. <laughs> this blew my fucking mind. Jeez. Wheeze! Uh, I can't <laughs> believe. I'm going to die. More specifically, Rex and Pyrrha. So, the, th- the thing... The way things work in Xenoblade Two is that you have your playable characters and your playable characters, uh, your protagonists, all are people called drivers. They all wield blades, and blades are weapons with like, with with like souls connected to them.
2: Right. Right.
1: The driver wields the weapon, but attached to the weapon is another character, like another person. Who, who powers that weapon and and uh and sort of works in tandem with uh with the character wielding it right in the main story Rex's primary blade is Pyrrha, a character also known as the Aegis and Rex is kind of this big deal character because he ends up being the driver of the Aegis this big important legendary weapon and I think it would be very fitting if he was running around in the field and Pyrrha was like flying around behind him like augmenting his attacks that's cool and in 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 Xenoblade 2, the closer you are to your blade, the more synergy the two of you have, the the quicker you can charge up special attacks and stuff. So I think there'll be a thing where Rex is a really good character when he's close to Pyrrha, but if they get separated for whatever reason, he becomes uh, a weaker character. That's really Sort of the little Mac problem. There's another character, again, I'm going to try to avoid too many spoilers, because I think Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is still a relatively new game, and I want people to be able to experience enough as as much of that as they can without spoilers, if they want. Sure. Uh, characters can have more than one blade, and another blade that's important to the story is this character called Mithra. Right. So I think Rex could actually be a stance character huh. that switches between Pira and Mithra. And Mithra, when he has Mithra equipped, he can be much more of a glass cannon character. Okay. Maybe he's lighter, but he hits a lot harder. And I think his final smash could be different depending on whether he has Pyrrhà equipped or Mithra, along with some of his other specials.
2: One, I think that's really cool, and I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> I hope that Rex becomes a playable character. Two. The reason that I <laughs> The reason that I want Rex to be a playable character is that in the dub for Xenoblade <laughs> Chronicles 2 he has this really thick North London accent that I've never heard an RPG protagonist have before. Yeah, it's all like, all right, Pera, we gotta go get the crystals. I don't know what happens. To that <laughs> <laughs> but I just it's so endearing that I would love to be able to play as him and for
1: him to be just shouting stuff with that accent while I'm
2: beating on people.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be fantastic. And I think more than Elma, Rex already has a playstyle that would fit Smash perfectly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, really, Xenoblade is a niche enough series that I wouldn't be completely surprised if neither Elma nor Rex (laughs) showed up. So I shouldn't say I think he's a lock, Uh but I think he would make a lot of sense. I think he'd be a really good idea. And I think it's possible that even if he's in the base game, he could show up shortly afterwards as DLC. Cool. So... Official prediction, Rex with Pyrrha and Mithra as a playable character in Smash Switch. Alright. So, now we can move on to bosses. There weren't really any traditional bosses representing Xenoblade in Smash 4, but one thing they had was a stage hazard right. that was essentially a boss within the stage, which was Metal Face on the Gar Plane stage of Xenoblade 1. Really cool inclusion. Um, yeah, I like the way that he's implemented a lot. Yeah, Metal Face is really cool. He just lands on the stage and slashes at you, and you can blow him up if you want. Uh, and he's he's a big old jerk in yeah. in Xenoblade One. Really fun to fight. Yeah, he is. So and he sounds like this. <laughs> I'm gonna get you, Shulk. That's <laughs> a, <laughs> that's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, he's cool. And new bosses. Really, there's there's just so many they could use for Xenoblade. That is true. Uh, you could fight like a skull. You could fight a giant robot from Xenoblade X. You could uh-huh. fight. There's just a lot of like huge indigenous monsters <laughs> that just <laughs> that is true. that just patrol all these areas of of the Xenoblade games. You could just fight one of those giant monsters. That'd be dope. That'd yeah, be awesome.
2: I'd be fine with that.
1: Yeah. In Xenoblade Two, there are these things called Titans, which are basically like continents that are actually giant animals that people live on right and you could just like fight a titan uh as a boss that'd be cool but yeah stages stages so this this will be a shorter discussion because there's only been one stage representing xenoblade uh, and that was the gar plane stage that i just mentioned
2: yes good choice yeah on behalf of the team Stepping out onto the Garplane Plane and seeing how enormous that zone was was one of the coolest moments for me in Xenoblade. Yeah,
1: no, what a what a great pick. Uh, Garplane Plane is both in the Wii U and the 3DS version of Four. Right. Uh, although it's a little smaller in the 3DS version uh, and the proportions are a bit weirder. Mm-hmm. But I I think that could easily come back for Five. I'm down. I I wouldn't complain if it did. As far as new stages, I think I think there's. Again, like a lot of picks, I think a cool one Mm -hmm. because the first big area in Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is this place called Gormat, but aesthetically it's kind of similar to Gar Plain and would feel kind of overlappy. So I would want them to pick as a stage perhaps instead
0: mm-hmm.
1: more Ardane, Okay. which is sort of like the military capital of this universe. It's this very industrial continent with a lot of mechanical stuff going on and factories all over the place nice. and like very like militaristic and like gritty. It's it's a very like gritty continent and that I think that'd be a very cool and unique location to sort of set a stage on. Cool. I like yeah. that idea. Yeah, any any Xenoblade stages you'd want to see? Yes. Now this is a
2: stage that would actually have some overlap with the bridge stage from Twilight Princess
0: of all oh, things. Oh yeah, I
2: know what you're gonna say. But in Xenoblade One, you're from this city called Colony Nine, and it gets attacked by this enemy, the Mechon. Oh, very I don't early know all your story. Okay. Ooh, surprising. Yeah, uh-huh. And. There is a moment during the siege of Colony 9 where you're running across this really long bridge trying to get to the other side because your friend is trapped over there. Uh And I think that it would be really fun for that bridge to just be a stage. And you have the soldiers on one side shooting at the Mechon on the other side. They're coming in. You could have like Mechon flying in and kind of knocking people off the stage. You know, parts of it could get destroyed. I just think that that would be a really entertaining environment to stage a fight on. I have your
1: idea just gave me a better idea. Well, fuck you, but also <laughs> what is it? So, there is a location called Sword Valley. Oh, true. Yeah, so in Xenoblade, the the setting of of the game is basically everyone lives on the back of two giant gods, right. the Bionis and the Mechonis, and those two gods were locked in battle for a really long time, and then they both sort of died as they attacked each other, or basically became dormant. And so, basically, uh, the sword that the Meconis attacks the Bionis with and sort of lodges into the Bionis' shoulder ends up being an inadvertent bridge between the Bionis and the Meconis that the characters travel between at one point in the game. Right, And that place is called Sword Valley. So, I think Sword Valley would be like a great stage where you fight on it and eventually like the stage sort of pans out and you see the two like giant <laughs> gods and maybe like maybe during the fight they like wake up and like uh, and like be really and cool. like fight more or uh, and then you have to, like, you know, get off of the bridge part of the stage and, like, get onto the Giants themselves or something. I like that a lot. That's um, a fun idea. Yeah. So when when you started talking about the bridge, we're like, oh, he's right. talking about the Mechanus Bridge. But actually, I was talking about a real bridge in real life.
2: <laughs> the Brooklyn Bridge.
1: <laughs> Brooklyn Bridge for Smash Switch. Woo!
0: Well, guess, hey, New Donk City. I guess know.
1: character is Statue of Liberty. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the stage hazard is that she comes over and burns you with her torch, and you die. No, she's
1: like playable. No, that's that's, <laughs> that's how it goes. Daniel. I, I see. How it goes. I see. Yeah. So those are those are some stages. Yeah, I think they're cool. I I feel pretty good about more Ardain, but I'd love to see any anything from any Xenoblade game ever. Me too. Good stuff. So items. There haven't been any items in Smash. ...from Xenoblade, right. which I think is fair. Xenoblade has only been around for one Smash game. Mm-hmm. And it's not an item-heavy game. Yeah, although I did think of something that'd be pretty cool. Do tell. Uh, and it's funny because I'm sort of repeating an idea... ...now that we sort of uh, came up with the telephone idea... uh huh, ...for Earthbound. But this might be a better fit, to be honest. In, in Xenoblade Chronicles 2... I already talked about your blades, right? These these characters that you unlock as weapons. Right. There are a lot in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. There's, I want to say there's somewhere between 30 and 50 of them. There's right. like 30 and 50 unique like rare ones. There's mm-hmm. also a, bunch, a whole bunch of common ones that you can get. And I think one thing that if they wanted to really up the representation of Xenoblade, they could do is similar to Pokeballs. You could pick up a blade core, uh, uh, the thing that you summon a blade out of, and summon a random blade from Xenoblade 2. That's a really uh, cool idea. Yeah, I I think that would be a really cool, really fitting item that would sort of suddenly fill Smash Bros. with Smash representation. No, I agree, that is a really cool idea, and I would love to see that. Yeah, i I don't think I would straight up predict that, because maybe that feels like... A bit too prominent of Xenoblade representation. Sure. Plus, like you know, again, Xenoblade Two did come out less, maybe less than a year before Smash Five is going to. So maybe he had time to include Rex, mm. but maybe he didn't have enough time to really implement all of this blade stuff. That's fair. Yeah. So I, I'd say that item probably won't be in there, but it'd be cool. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so- <laughs> let's talk
2: about the soundtrack.
1: It sounds good, John.
2: That sounds good. Oh,
0: <laughs> you, you.
1: We've been sitting in these chairs for a long time. Sorry, guys. Yep. <laughs> so, Xenoblade has an incredible soundtrack. Yes, it does. Xenoblade 1 and Xenoblade 2 both have some of the best people in the video game soundtrack game. Yasunori Mitsuda's in there. Yoko Shimamura did some for Xenoblade 1, and Xenoblade 1 and 2 had several just excellent-ass battle tracks from Aces. Yes. Just, yeah, so much good music, so much that most, <laughs> most of Xenoblade 1's soundtrack in Smash 4 is just copy-pasted from Xenoblade Chronicles 1. Which is understandable. The one remix is a Xenoblade Chronicles medley that meshes a bunch of Xenoblade songs together. Most of the really good ones... And like you know, it's I wouldn't call it too much of a remix because they don't really add any new spins to the songs that they turn into a medley, but I guess it's technically a remix nonetheless. Sure. So therefore, I think I think it'd be nice to see some more unique takes on some of that music in Smash Five, like a remix of "You Will Know Our Names." Yeah, the best song in that fucking game. Yeah, just it's the song that plays whenever you fight like a really badass boss yeah like a boss that's probably too strong for you to fight (laughs) that song will play and man that uh, one of the best songs in video games just really intense really Mm -hmm. just gets your blood pumping man yes yeah i'd love to see a remix of that as far as new tracks (laughs) i just wrote in this outline like the entire Xenoblade 2 soundtrack. <laughs> uh, because Xenoblade 2 has a great soundtrack. And, it does. Yeah, I think it'd be great to just copy-paste some stuff in there and also to hear some remixes. I agree. Uh, one thing I actually just kind of accidentally ignored is the Xenoblade Chronicles X soundtrack is composed by Hiroyuki Sawano. And while his soundtrack is not as critically acclaimed as the game sandwiching him, right? I think some of his music is just really rad and really good in Xenoblade Chronicles X. I think there's a couple stinkers in that soundtrack. The the track that plays while you're in Los Angeles X at night right. is just kind of stupid. Yeah. But on the other hand,
2: I think first of all, you know, obviously there's a big tonal departure between Xenoblade Chronicles and Xenoblade Chronicles X. Yeah. I think that they were pro that was probably an intentional thing because of how different the game itself is oh, tonally yeah. from its predecessor. Yeah, yeah. So I think in that sense, a lot of the music is a good fit, even though there are definitely some tracks I don't like. Yeah. The tracks that I do like from Xenoblade Chronicles X are really great. Yes. And I would love for some of them, or at least one of them, to be included in the next Smash game.
1: I agree with that. So, finally, here we are at the end. We got a couple more pieces of listener mail that I'd love to read. Oh, read them. So, K 713 on Reddit says... It's not much of a prediction, but I would love to see Kosmos in Smash. Rex, while he could play differently, I fear would play too similar to Shulk. Kosmos, on the other hand, can use her projectile weapons for a completely unique moveset. Now... I think this is cool because it it didn't occur to me uh, to have like Cosmos <laughs> as a playable character because she's not Nintendo, but right. she'd be a really fitting third party guest character for starters. But she also like sort of technically represents the Xeno series, you know, right. represents like, you know, she she was an unlockable blade that you could get in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is why we're talking about her here. Right. Uh, one of the rarest, actually. I don't have her in my copy. I I think that's a really cool idea. Thanks, Max Gay. Yeah, I think, first of all, I'm a big fan of the
2: Xenosaga series. Yeah. Um, That got a lot of playtime out of me in my youth. And I also think that Cosmos has a lot of moveset potential because for a lot of the attacks that she does, she kind of summons these ethereal weapons, right? She Mm. like changes her hands or something into a you know, a laser gun or something. Hmm. So you got like R-Cannon and R-Blade and all these kind of weapons that I think would be Sakurai approved because they're not like bullets. Yeah, Uh, I'm not going to go as far as to say that I think Cosmos is a likely inclusion in the next Smash game, but I would love to see her included.
1: Yeah, agreed. I'm not going to predict her, but you know what would be perfect for her? What's that? Assist trophy. Yeah. Like... You've already got Bandai Namco giving you Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it would be too much work to get them to sign off on a Cosmos Assist Trophy. Just be like,
2: hey, guys, Bandai Namco.
1: Also, if they do that Blade Core idea that I had, she's absolutely in.
2: Give us Cosmos. <laughs>
1: Thanks. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. Actually, I was thinking that really you could just scale it
2: down so that like sometimes Cosmos' Blade Core will spawn.
1: Oh, oh, I see. I see. Like if even if Blade Cores don't exist for Cosmos' Blade like blade core to be its own item. Exactly. Okay. Um yeah, I, I think that's dumb, whatever. <laughs> no, I think that's a fine idea. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel the dickhead. <laughs> that's me. Danny D. So, one one last bit. Yay Jordan. Yay
2: Jordan. Yeah, he's
1: <laughs> back. They're they're back. Yes. Hey, yay. <laughs> yay Jordan says Xenoblade gets a stage based on X, which actually is funny. I don't think we directly said that at any point during our stage talk. Right, An X stage would be a cool idea. Xenoblade gets a stage based on X with Skells flying around ha. and an Elma assist trophy, which we did mention, and that's cool. Yeah, uh, an X stage would be a great idea. Mm-hmm. Really incorporating the Skells into that stage. Maybe even like jump on top of a skull or something. Skells for you
2: Xenoblade X noobs being the giant mecha that you pilot yeah it's it's okay if you're a xenoblade x noob i know a lot of people didn't play that game yeah in in a way we're we're also
1: xenoblade x noobs that's true yeah that's that's a that's a good idea yeah yay jordan Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) good good idea great pick i would like that too yes so that's all three that's that's everything yeah so as always at the end, I not as always. Well, as as uh, as recently. <laughs> as recently, we I give my entire predicted roster to date to sort of refresh everyone's memory. Do it. And let's go. So, in the Mario episode, I predicted Mario, Luigi, Peach, Bowser, Rosalina, Bowser Jr., Captain Toad and Paper Mario. In the Mario spinoffs episode, I predicted Donkey Kong, Diddy Kong, Yoshi, and Wario. No newbies there, but King K. Rule, Ashley, and Dixie Kong all make sense, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were in. Right. The Legend of Zelda episode saw me predict Link, Zelda, Sheik, Ganondorf, Toon Link, and Urbosa of the four champions. Sean also predicted Midna instead of Urbosa. That I did. Because he's weird. We'll see who's weird. <laughs> the full roster of this game is leaked. Probably both of us. We're probably both weird. Let's find out later. In the Sakurai's Babies episode, I predicted Kirby, Meta Knight, King DDD, Bandana Waddle Dee, Pit, Palutena, and The Return of Dark Pit. Right. And finally. And I picked Marks. Yes, and Sean picked Marks. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, good, a good pick. Thank you. Good pick that I'm not judging at all. I'm glad
2: you agree wholeheartedly in that you have swapped out your waddle D
1: pick for Marks, officially here on the podcast. I, I have not done that. <laughs> 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 and finally, here in this sci-fi episode, I predicted Alomar, Ness, Lucas, Shulk, and Rex with Pyra and Mithra. Cool. Yeah, this uh, this is already becoming
2: a big roster. Yeah, shaping up to be a big collection of playable characters. Yeah,
1: this. <laughs> I feel like this the final roster for Smash Five is going to be absurdly big. Yeah, I Sakurai has never made a smaller roster than the last one, so I think it's going to be downright unmanageable. But I'm okay <laughs> with that. Right? Yeah, I love big rosters.
2: You should, for the predicted roster thing, just turn it into a poke wrap. Maybe next time. We got Mario, Luigi, Peach,
1: and Bowser, Rosalina, Bowser Jr., Captain Toad, Paper Mario. Okay, that doesn't really at all. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to, like, mix it up, you know? Do it anyway. That's that's everything. That's the, that's the roster so far, which means we're winding down. If you want to see me and Sean in other places, I host a podcast called Play This with my good, good, close friend, Max Lando. In every episode, we recommend games to each other and have really in-depth discussions about those games. We just released our newest episode where we talk about Kirby Star Allies, which I think is maybe appealing to the interest of some of the people listening right now. Not only do Max and I talk about it, but we also bring Max's wife, Stephanie, and my girlfriend, Amy Lee, into the mix. And we we have a two-hour-long discussion about... Kirby Star Allies and various other stuff. I think it's a really good episode, even if it is really big. And you you guys have proven with the Sakurai's Babies episodes that <laughs> you're okay with listening to nearly two hours worth of video game talk. So maybe you'll like it. I have not listened to the episode yet because the way this day has gone
2: is that Daniel finished editing that episode then posted it and now we're recording this podcast (laughs) but once i have the time i'm really looking forward to listening to it i think that max and daniel always have really interesting discussions on play this and i'm excited to hear what stephanie and amy lee think about this latest game as well Hmm. thank you sean of course and you can catch sean in two different places as a matter of fact you can first of all do you like let's plays do you like Let's Plays of cool games where you play as lawyers? <laughs> if you do, I'm maybe one to two episodes away from finishing up a playthrough of Ace Attorney Investigations 2, which was only ever released in Japan. I'm playing the fan translation. If that sounds like it'd be up your alley, you can find that by going onto YouTube and searching for ReChief without an underscore. If you want to see me getting beat up, search for it with underscore as we already discussed (laughs) if on the other hand you are a content creator smaller large business or just an individual who appreciates the fine art of voiceover artistry you can find my demo reel at soundcloud.com slash re underscore chief if you want to commission me if you want to hire me definitely let me know
1: I've said it before and I'll say it again Sean is really good at voice acting friend (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Gee, thanks, Daniel. That's
2: really swell. I'm glad that's something to the viewers. You tell.
1: <laughs> uh, I uh, uh, even if I feel a bit like a broken record, I do want to state that Sean's Miles Esposito playthrough is really, really great, and so is his talent as a voice actor. You, people really should hire him because they're <laughs> they're sleeping on some talent. Let me tell you what. I appreciate that, Daniel. Thank you very much. So, here we are at the end. Our next episode is going to tentatively be called McClouds. There's nothing tentative about it, Daniel. It's the greatest <laughs> title we've come up with. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the Star Fox and F-Zero games. Because they both have someone named McLeod in them. <laughs> <laughs> Same first name, too, now that we think
2: about it. Yeah, James McLeod. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, those uh, that's <laughs> So if you have any Star Fox or F0 oh related Oh my
2: gosh. Our frequent writer in James M is just James
1: McLeod writing to us from space. If you want to make <laughs> any predictions <laughs> related to Star Fox or F0 and what new things they'll have in Smash Bros you can tweet us at a smashing theory on Twitter, or you can email us at asmashingtheory at gmail.com. And we love seeing all your mail and all your guesses and all your predictions. They're actually a really fun part of the podcast for us, so keep sending them in. Absolutely do. All right, well, that's
2: that's it for us. And remember that now and in the future, even after the inevitable heat death of the universe when everything has been destroyed, I hope that you all have a smashing time. I'm really feeling
1: this podcast.
0: Yeah.
2: Because I'm (laughs) (laughs) Shulk.